You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. If you have your Bibles, I'm taking your attention this morning to Matthew chapter number 21. Matthew chapter number 21. And I want to read just a couple verses of Scripture here today together in your standing. Amen. And we'll begin at verse number eight. It is Palm Sunday. And we call it Palm Sunday because this is the uh, traditional time that we celebrate or acknowledge that Jesus Christ rides into the city. The triumphal entry, we call it, rides into the city and they worship and they praise him. So many things I won't have time to talk about today. So many things converge on this moment. So many prophecies. There is the fact that he rides upon, the Bible says, both the donkey and a colt. That was a unique thing that took place as he goes into that city. There is the fact that as he came down the Mount of Olives across the valley, Kidron, up into Jerusalem, they mocked him and he said, if these hold their peace, the rocks would cry out. There's significance to the rocks. So many different things that we could talk about today. The fact that they cut down palms and worshipped him with palms was an anomaly because the only time they did that was at the Feast of the Tabernacles, which was a wrong time of the year for that. But there was significance in that. So many deep things, so many rich things. When he comes into the city, he has riding on the colt and... The, the, the donkey on, on both animals, both beasts is an interesting thing. The tradition in that day was the high priest would ride into the city on the donkey and the high priest's son would ride on the colt. Jesus came into Jerusalem that day as both the high priest, as both the father and the son. Wow, so many rich things that we could pull from that, but we'll pull one word this morning. In verse 8, and a very great multitude spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches from the trees and strolled them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to the city, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Amen. Let's put our Bibles down and ask the Lord to anoint our time together here. Can you pray with me this morning? Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you. Lord, I thank you today for your spirit. I thank you today for the opportunity to come into your house. I thank you for the blood that you shed on Calvary, that here we celebrate this Passion Week, even today, Lord. I thank you. We've already sung about it, but I pray right now, God, that you would minister 
minister today, Lord. Let there be no restraint to your spirit. How you want to speak to us, Lord, in our life individually. We pray this right now in Jesus' name. And somebody say in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord this morning. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated today. Just let me say this before I go too far, that today I'm well aware is a very special day. My wife mentioned it is Passover. It started last night, full moon at sundown. Passover will continue for eight days, and we celebrate the Passion Week this year. But today is also our 18th wedding anniversary. And so I thank her. I thank her for putting up with me the other night we were sitting there and she said, who would have ever imagined? And I said, well, I, I did. I was hoping. I was hoping. Amen. That's not what she meant, she said. So, but I give honor to my wife. Love her. Amen. Dearly today. So it is, it is a special day though. And every day is a special day in the Lord. Every day is a special day. Amen. In Jesus. But it is right. There is significance for us to pause yearly and reflect. It is not wrong. Amen. We celebrate the Passover every day. We celebrate the resurrection every day. We understand all of that. But Jesus uh, tells us God himself implemented the seasonal reflection, the yearly markings and remembrances in the Old Testament as they would pause and always look forward to Christ. And it's good for us. Amen. It's good for us. It's okay for us to pause and look back on what Christ did for us. Amen. Passover would have already begun. It, it, it would have been already in the process. And in this Passover uh, uh, analogy, as we go back, the lamb was all, always slaughtered. The lamb was always sacrificed before Passover began. The lamb was killed before on the day of preparation. And so in our memorial, in our remembrance, the, the anniversary, we have already come to the place, the part in the spot of this day where Christ has already been crucified. Now we operate on the Gregorian calendar and so we, we, we celebrate Palm Sunday, Easter Sunday, but, but the Jewish calendar we would refer to or the one that Christ gave was established by the moon calendar and other things and so we would have already been in that place, but but according to uh, the scholars, as they go back and they they place it, uh, it, it would have fallen that year, the year that Christ would have been crucified and resurrection resurrected. It would have fallen on our equivalent of. A Sunday. It was that first day of the week when he resurrected. And, and so it plays back that Christ would have been crucified on that Wednesday, what we would call a Wednesday. And it would have been before that Sunday before when he would have rode into the city and we call it the triumphal entry. Yeah. There's so much to the scripture. There's so many rich things that we don't have time to 
to go through it all. You could give a lifetime of study. I am still learning things, still seeing things for the very first time, but it's the word Hosanna that I want to call your attention to today. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 9. It's the word Hosanna. Hosanna was a Hebrew word. It was a word that literally means save us. It was a word that was to be ascribed to the Messiah. And they used this word without really understanding what they were saying. In fact, I would propose to you that they use the word not even meaning what they were saying. Here we come to the context of time. It was a time of oppression for the children of Israel. And in the time of oppression, they knew they needed a deliverer. They came to a time of destitution. They needed a provider. They came to a time of confusion. There was so much confusion among the Jewish people. They needed a voice of truth. And it was a time of great hypocrisy. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, the people did not like what they saw. They were cheated when they went to the temple. And so they needed a revealer. They needed somebody that could stand up. They needed a judge. They needed a judge that could stand up and declare what was right. They, they needed a prophet. They needed someone that could speak not man's ideas and opinions, but the word of God. They needed a king. They wanted a righteous king that would rule them, that would tell them what to do, that would dispel their enemies. They needed a king, but the reality was they had not followed the judges God sent. They had killed the prophets that he sent. And they wanted worldly kings. Without going into the details and the depths, the context of this incredible time, this time of mass confusion, mass hypocrisy, of being destitute and oppressed, their hope was hung on one thing. It did not matter if you were a zealot. It did not matter if you were a Pharisee. It did not matter if you were a Sadducee, if you were a commoner. It did not even even matter if you were an outsider, a Samaritan, so to speak. They all hung their hope on one thing, and that was Messiah is coming. Yes. Messiah yes. is coming. To some, Messiah meant different things. To some, Messiah would be the deliverer. To some, Messiah would be the provider. To some, Messiah would be that great judge. He would be the prophet. He would be the truth speaker. He would be the revealer. To some, Messiah would be the king. Even though they disagreed, even though they had many dif different opinions, they all wanted Messiah. Yes. Some of them wanted a deliverer. 
some of them wanted a healer, some of them wanted a prophet, but they all wanted a revolution of sorts, so to speak. They wanted there to be change, and many of them were ready for a battle. They were ready for a fight. They were ready for an overthrow. They were ready for a cultural revolution. Even the Samaritan woman would identify to Christ when he identified as a Jew and she a Samaritan. She brought up their differences. She brought up all of their conflicts, but she said, someday Messiah is coming and he will tell us all things. So here comes Messiah on that triumphal entry. They gathered together. They met on the Mount of Olives. They followed him from Bethany down the Mount of Olives across the Kidron Valley and into Jerusalem. They took their garments off. They laid them over the beast. They cut down palm branches. They rolled out the red carpet and they began to worship him as Messiah. Surely this is the moment he's going to push everything back. And they began to fulfill the prophetic words written about Messiah in Psalm chapter number 118. And, and uh, I didn't give this to them back there. I don't know if they'll get it. But Psalm 118 says this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And it follows in the very next verse, save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. And it goes in the next verse, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. The reality was the Jews at this time, most of them did not speak Hebrew. They had lost their mother tongue, so to speak, and now they speak Aramaic. But there were sometimes words that you pick up that you know. I don't know how to speak the language, but I know that word. Just like when you go to the Mexican restaurant and you go in and say, hola. (laughs) Then somebody rattles back off to you and and you don't know what, you just say, hola. Again, you you don't know what to say. You don't know the language. You know a few words. You know a a few, you know, uh, 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 gracias. (laughs) Gracias. However you say it, they can tell you don't know the language, but you know that word. Most of the Jews in that day did not know the the Hebrew words, which is why sometimes those Hebrew words are not translated into English. They're left in Hebrew in the text so that we can understand it. And that word Hosanna, Hosanna was literally the translated word, the passage of Psalm 118 that said, save us. It was what they ascribed to the Messiah. They called Messiah Savior. And so here he comes, they're worshiping him. And they're saying, Hosanna, Savior, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And they're praising him and they're magnifying him. They're ready. Here comes this miracle worker, this teacher from Galilee. Here comes this man. And they're so excited because Messiah's here. Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, it's 
all right on this Palm Sunday to wave your hands, your palm branches, so to speak, and cry out, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But the reality is they didn't know what they were saying. They wanted a fighter. They wanted somebody that was going to overthrow the Roman government. They wanted somebody that was going to come in and kick the ungodly uh, Jewish King Herod out, out of his throne. They were looking for somebody that would push back all of the cheat that took place from the Sadducees in the temple. They wanted somebody that could lift the, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees that lorded over them. They were looking for a Messiah and here's what Messiah came to do. To save them. We don't understand maybe in our Jewish, in our, in our modern context what the Jews would have thought about this but what Jesus was about to do was so offensive to them. Because he did not come only as a deliverer or a provider or a voice of truth or a revealer or a healer or a miracle worker or a revolutionary. But he came exactly as they said, as a savior. Matthew chapter number one. He records the passage of scripture where the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying, Joseph, Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And look at verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their Since the offense of the cross is this. They wanted a deliverer. And he said, I came to save you from your sins. They came to Jesus looking for escape from the Romans. They wanted release from the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They wanted to escape everybody else. Jesus said, I came to save you from yourself. I came to save you from your sins. Oh, how often we are driven to Christ because of the problems that are laid upon us by other people. But when we come here, we praise him and we worship him as Messiah. Surely now God's going to provide. Surely now God's going to bless me. Surely now God's going to do this this, but he stands there saying, I came to save you from
from yourself. As long as he was breaking bread and passing out miracles, the multitude stayed around. But the moment he began talking about the cross, hear me today, they wanted a miracle worker. They wanted wanted somebody to bless them. They wanted help. But Jesus Christ came to do more than just love you, affirm you, compliment you, bless you, make you feel good. What Jesus Christ came to do was to change you and me. He came... They wanted him to change their world. And he said, I didn't come to change this world. I came to change you. Come on, we come running to God and we want him to change our world. He says, no, the great miracle is when I can change you. Oh, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord today. What they needed was not a revolution. What they needed was not another battle. What they needed was mercy and redemption. But they didn't even know what they needed. They cried, save us, Hosanna. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. But they didn't even know what they were wanting. They didn't even know what they needed. And it's in this that Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 records Jesus saying, for the son of a man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. What's lost? People that don't even know what they need anymore. They're so lost. They're so messed up. My wife read it at the beginning. Go to Matthew chapter number 27 and look at this passage of scripture. In Matthew chapter number 27, We see, beginning in verse number 2, the story here of how he's led to Golgotha. And and then they give him vinegar and wine to drink. They crucified him, verse 35, parted his garments. And then uh, in verse 37, they set up over his head his accusation written. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Earlier in the book of John, I believe it is, they had, John records that they had already come to him at a time to make them king, make him king. Look at what it says in verse 38. Here's how lost they are. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right and on the left. They that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads. Look at what they say. Thou destroyest the temple and build it in three days. Save thyself. If thou be the son of God come down from the cross and likewise the chief priests mocking him with scribes and elders said he saved others but himself he cannot save if he be the king of Israel let him come down from the cross and will believe him he trusted in God let him deliver him now if he will have him for he said I am the son of God and the thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. He's on the cross and they were mad. Where's the miracle worker? He's on the cross and they were mad. Where's the king? He's on the cross and they were mad. 
God, where's the deliverer? Hear me today. Hear me today. You and I cannot only praise him, worship him, and serve him because of the things he's done in the external parts of our life. Yes. Yes. Because if Jesus is only a healer to you, the moment he stops healing, you'll join the company of revilers that looked at the crucified Savior on the cross and said, where's the healer? If Jesus Christ is only the one that pushes back oppression in your life, the moment that he stops, amen, you'll look at him and you'll be offended. But there comes a point in our life where Jesus says, I'm not concerned anymore with the sickness. I'm not concerned anymore with the trouble that you're going through. But what I came to do is I came to save you from your sins. There comes a point at the altar where we can't come and bring all of the world's troubles that have affected us. We've got to come to a point of confession that says, God, I need you in my life. Jesus, I am a sinner. Jesus, I need saving. There comes a point in this life where I've got to forget about who's hurt me and who's wronged me and what they're doing and what they've done. And I've got to come to the cross and say, Lord, I need a savior in my life. Oh, hear me today. First, first Timothy chapter number one and verse number 15. Paul says this, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Did he heal? Yes. But that's not why he came. Did he bless? Yes. But that's not why he came. Did he feed? Yes. But that's not why he came. Did he open blind eyes and set the captives free? Yes. But that's not why he came. Why he came was to save sinners. And Paul puts this addendum on the verse. He says, of whom I am chief. Now, I don't live around and walk around in condemnation because he set me free. But I must never forget that he saved me. I must never forget that first and foremost, amen, he saved me from myself. He saved me from my sins. He saved me, hallelujah, from the things that I needed in my life. On this, on this Palm Sunday, I want to ask you, do you really mean it? When you say Hosanna, do you really mean it? When you say Hosanna, save me, do you really mean it? Come on. I know some of us have been living for God for a while. 
We've been living for God for a long time. How many remember the day you were baptized in Jesus' name? How many remember the night or the morning or the, or the evening, whenever it was that you were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost? What a wonderful thing. What an awesome thing. Hallelujah. I thank God for that. But you know what? We can get so far in our faith that we forget what God did. The Bible tells us that we are susceptible, Brother Bollinger, to forgetting what God has done for us. And if we're not careful, coming to church and living for God can stop being about what he saved us from. And it can start being about what we get from him. It can. Can I just go off my notes here and talk a little bit? Amen. Sometimes all of a sudden it's about what we get. And you know you can tell it when church becomes uncomfortable to you. When it's things that you don't like and we're easy easily offended and were easily upset by things. If you remember back to when you were sin sick and you needed God's saving, you didn't matter how cold it was, how hot it was. You didn't matter how good the singer was, how bad the preacher was. All you knew was that there was a savior <laughs> that could get a hold of your life. You were hungry for the things of God. You were hungry for the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. Hallelujah. Can I tell you, we can't live for God so long that he just becomes our sugar daddy. He just becomes our blesser. No, he is the God that came down and died on a cross. Hallelujah. Amen. To bless, to save us from ourselves. First Corinthians chapter number one. Go with me, if you will, to first Corinthians chapter number one, and I'm coming to a close if they'll come to the music. First Corinthians chapter number one, here it is, and verse number 18, look at what he says. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved. It is the power of God. The cross is offensive. It was so offensive. That's why they could praise him on Sunday and crucify him and walk away and deny him. They denied him. They could walk away and say, no, 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 I didn't know him. They were afraid. They were fearful. I'm here to tell you today that he can't be your savior. He can't be my savior unless I confess, which means I know and I acknowledge that I am a sinner. The offense of the cross is that the cross, I know what he did on the cross by, by going to the cross. He became the sacrificial lamb. The Old Testament teaches us all about this. Because of sin, there had to be bloodshed. He became the sacrificial lamb. When he went to the cross, he he was both just and the justifier. He couldn't leave sin unpaid for, unatoned for. But he didn't want us to have to do it, so he became the atonement. He pays the price. He who knew no sin became the sin of every one, as the song says. 
But then he turns to us and he tells us to take up our cross and follow him. He says, if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to be a follower of me, you must take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. That's offensive. I'm coming to God for the miracle. I'm coming to God for the blessing. They walked away. They were looking for a revolution. Jesus said the revolution that this world needs is not a new king. Oh, you want to talk about a political statement? That was a political statement. He offended them that day. He told them the revolution this world needs is not a new government. The revolution this world needs starts right here. God's ways are not our ways. The cross doesn't make sense. It's offensive. Because when I come to the altar, when I come to the cross, you know what the cross is saying? The cross says that I'm my own biggest problem. I know we don't run the aisles on this part. But I need saving. That there's a Savior. He said, wherefore he is able to also to save them to the uttermost. They come unto God by him seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. God can save you no matter how far you've been. Say, so, well, Pastor, I've been, I've been enslaved. I've been, I've been in bondage. I've been a victim. I've been abused. I've been all of these things. God could come back in a revolution. He could be the judge. He could take care of all these other things. But that doesn't change you. Or he can come back to you. And whatever happened to you, I can change you. I can heal you. I can make you new again as if it never happened. That's the promise God gives us. That I can take you out of your despairs, your sins, your addictions, your hurts, and your pains, and I can do such a miracle with you that inside it never happened again. So the multitude gathered around, Hosanna, blessed is he, save us. They didn't even know what they were saying. Because you know what they said about him? They said, the city came. And ask them, who is this? You're making all this commotion. You're doing all this stuff. Who is this? And here's what their answer was. This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, of Galilee. You know what he wanted them to say? What Peter said. It's Jesus. You are the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. You are the one that is going to save me. That's what God wants to do today to your life, to your heart. So I give you Jesus this morning. God that can save you from your sins and your problems and your iniquities, that can save you from your hurts and your pains. I'm here to stand as a testimony and as a witness 
the greatest revolution in my life and in many of these in this room. It's not what God did in changing the world around us. It's what God did in changing us. God wants to change you in the midst of your chaos. Stand together with me today. He will never be your Savior unless you confess and acknowledge I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. That's why we've got to be a little careful in our worship and in our praise that everything does not become a focus on what He's done in the world around us. It's not just, God, I thank you for calming all the storm. And God, I thank you for taking care of all the enemies. Thank you, God, for, you know, taking care of all of the problems in my life. Comes to a place where you know that even if the storm's not calmed, that even when all the problems aren't done, he becomes a savior. I close real quick. This is just a little. Matthew 27, two thieves are crucified with him. And the Bible says in Matthew's account, both of those thieves started out throwing accusations at Jesus. Why do you save yourself? You're the deliverer. Why don't you you get us all out of here? Something happened in those hours that Christ was on the cross. And there's a conversion story in Scripture that we miss so often because both of the thieves started out as railing accusations against the Lord. But somewhere along the way, one of the thieves said, you know what, I don't think he's what we think he is. I don't think he's the one we think he is. In fact, one of them said, you know what, I don't think this man has done anything. I think this man, maybe he is the king of the Jews. Maybe he's more. And he begins to speak with the Lord. We're only given the highlights, but can you imagine the conversation that happened? He's hanging on the cross, and the Lord looks to him and comes to a point when he puts his hope in him, and he says, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Who was better off? The ones waving palm branches saying, Hosanna? Or the thief on the cross that Jesus did not deliver. He did not deliver him from the cross. Jesus did not deliver him from his circumstances. But he delivered him. Come on. He delivered him from an eternity of guilt and shame. He delivered him from an eternity. Amen. And he said, this day, you're going to be with me in paradise. I'm going to hear me today. When we come running to the Lord, sometimes we want him to deliver us from the cross. What if Jesus says, I'm not always going to do that. But what I am going to do is I'm going to deliver you from something much more. And I'm going to save you. That's why when we come into church, we can sing songs about the blood of Jesus Christ. That old rugged cross means more to me than any miracle that Jesus ever did. 
so I'll cherish the old rugged cross. Come on, heads are bowed and eyes are closed in this place. Come on, what is it today that I need to surrender to the Lord? I'm preaching to somebody today. Come on, you've been bringing, I know, a lot of needs, a lot of things. But the revolution that God wants to do in your life today is not one that's in the external parts of your life. But it's one in your heart. It's one in your heart today. And the blood of Jesus Christ is here. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Come on, church. Can you lift up your voice? Can we?